2: and shop for anything outdoors. When you make a purchase from the Go Wild store, everything is free shipping. Anything that you purchase anywhere in the country, no matter how big, free shipping. So go down to the show notes, click on the Go Wild link at the bottom, and get signed up today. And let's go wild. On this episode of The Journey, we are going to have a familiar voice back on with us today. Um, He's been on several podcasts, actually, and we always enjoy talking to him, a wealth of knowledge, and we want to talk to him about some of the hunts he's had this fall, um, wrap up some dog stuff, and just going to have some good conversation about some things that he's posted. And I know everybody don't follow him or get to see some of the stuff that he posts, but it's always very intriguing and interesting to me. So how is things up in Maine today, Mark?
1: Well, it's been a heat wave, Uh, very unusual weather. Uh, I think we were I wouldn't be surprised if the sun was uh, about 80 degrees the other day. Today was hot as well.
2: Well, you say that. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, I, I was off work today. It was one of my extra, it, we get an extra, we call it an extra day off. And so I, I was off today, and it was raining a little bit. It rained last night, and actually it rained enough to, I mean, it filled the, the feed bowls up about half. So it, we've got we got quite a bit of rain last night, and then this morning, it led up, and it was supposed to be done by eleven o'clock, so we decided to take a hike and So I took two young dogs I took a five month old one of the eight month old pups, and basically we did some scouting actually, so we went and hunt we scouted this one area we walked uh, four four and a half miles, and just looking for food, the food crop had been really good and um I had seen some bear sign back during the early season. And I did not see it today, but it was 80 degrees. I mean, my shirt, when I come out of the mountain today, was literally drenched.
1: Yeah, it's the same here. I mean, the ticks came out, you, you know, deer season's on, but <laughs> I wouldn't have even wanted to shoot a deer and try to take <clears throat> care of it in that heat.
2: Well, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. I mean, our muzzle loading season come in this this past weekend. And I'm like, even if you killed a deer, I don't know how you'd get it out of the woods, get it taken care of, and get it hung up and, and cooled off without ruining it.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's rough temperatures for sure.
2: Yeah, and I kinda wondered if y'all were having the same thing up there because it's it has been this week has been extremely warm. well, the last yeah, the last three days, four days, um of course the front the front come in last night and um of course, it rained, but when you're um, taxidermist, does that, is that kicking off and, and doing well?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um, bear season's pretty well uh, over with here. And uh, you know, the deer heads are rolling in, um, still processing bears from bear season, and uh, still got a few moose in the freezer. I'm trying to get through those, and uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, the warm weather, you, you get stuff. You're working on it and it's it's just working against you, so you gotta work twice as fast.
2: Yeah. Do they now do those guys that, that bring the moose that's something that's on my bucket list, by the way. I want to kill a moose. Um when we used to go to Canada and hunt, um, our guide up there would always feed us either moose burgers or his wife would fix spaghetti or something with moose meat. And I mean, I always thought it was really good.
1: Yeah, it's excellent. Excellent table fare.
2: So last year, me and one of my buddies put in for a Maine tag, and yep. you know if you put in one of you draws and both of you can go. But it didn't work out. It didn't. You know I didn't do it. This I haven't done it this year. I guess it'll come up in March. But yep. that is on my bucket list. I always see them when. Well, we hunted in Maine a couple of years ago. Well, it's been a lot of years ago, <laughs> and. I think that was the only thing we ran while we were up there was a moose.
1: <clears throat> Your dogs, you know, if you haven't been around moose, that's a, it's a tough ball game. Cause you know, you're coming into bear season opens the hound season, right when the moose rut really kicks in and, uh, those bulls are rank and and i'm telling you you can smell them by the nose you know three four hundred yards away Mm -hmm. and it's it's really hard on even even seasoned dogs that have been around moose you know sometimes they'll strike one here or there you know you can usually tell but guys that haven't been around the moose it it's rough
2: yeah like i said i'm i'm pretty sure that we didn't we didn't run we didn't catch no bear didn't run no bear as far as i know but we did have a pretty good moose chase but let me let me just go back and clarify stuff so we're with mark dufresne and mark you are a guide and you guide hunts now do you just do bear hunts
1: yeah you know i'll do some moose hunts but i've got to have the right guy i like to you know for many years a lot of a lot of moose hunting was done just driving around on the vast series of logging roads and stuff and and you could shoot nice bulls but it's kind of a different world now you got to get out and you got to hunt them like they're deer a little bit more and get into the um kind of the back country and plan on packing them out and if you do that you know you can have a great hunt but a lot of guys don't want to try yeah, they're, they're just overwhelmed by the thought of packing one out so if i get the right guy um you know, I don't mind guiding the moose hunt, but of course it's right during bear season. And, and usually I'm pretty well booked up, mm-hmm. uh, but I do, I help friends out a lot and, you know, I'm out there right when the rut's on. So I see a lot of bulls and I'll give friends, uh, tips on where there's a big bull hanging out. Cause they don't move a lot right when they're right in the rut and they're kind of anchored down there. You know, they stay in a real small area and, uh, if the cows are right there, they tend to stay pretty tight to them so you can you can get them if you work at them
2: and i thought it was strange when we applied last year like they made us give our top 10 units or sections i don't know what y'all call those yeah yeah um your zones your zone yeah the top 10 zones and of course you know reading up on it you know we were trying to make an educated you know pick um a lot of people that had commented on some of that stuff they always give them their last their last couple of picks either they give them their eighth ninth or tenth pick
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah i i typically only put one pick in one or two because i just i'd rather hunt those zones or nothing you know
2: mm-hmm. well like i said it's on my bucket list i'm gonna keep trying
1: <laughs> it's a great hunt boy when you uh when you bring one in on a string and he's raking and and grunting to you and you're interacting with them um uh, it's it's pretty awesome it's uh it's right up there with like a an elk coming in bugling. I mean, when them bulls are really slamming the old grunts down and hitting trees, it's fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, like I said, I haven't got to experience that yet, and I hope I get to experience it before my time ticks away, but that's they're they're a beautiful animal. They're huge. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. I about hit one in Canada coming around a curve, and a, <laughs> a cow would run across the road, and it was all I could do to get locked up. Yeah. And I was thinking, man, if she comes through the truck, it's done. Like, it's done.
1: <laughs> it is. It, uh, there's a lot of people killed every year, you know, with moose car collisions because mm-hmm. they, they're they so tall that uh, basically what happens is it takes the legs out from under them, and they come right through the windshield and crush the driver, and they, they tend to, uh, like, they'll open on a car, four-door sedan or something like that. the The whole roof will be just peeled right back like a can opener. I mean, it's it's a rough deal when you hit one at 60, 70 miles an hour.
2: Yeah. I can only imagine that's something I prefer not to do for sure.
1: Yeah. It's, it's usually fatal, you know, at, at those speeds.
2: Yeah. No, I can, I mean, that's, I mean, that's like hitting another vehicle. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, yeah. that's so what's the average moose up there? Is it 800, thousand pounds?
1: Yeah. You know, a thousand pounds is a stud. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kill some of them every year, but, uh, you know, I would say typical mature bull, you're going to be eight to 900 pounds, um, you know, pretty, pretty common to be right in there somewhere. Um, the racks, you know, they haven't been quite as good as they used to be in the past. Uh used to be pretty easy to kill, like something in the mid-50 range for spread, and now I think your average is probably down more around 40 inches. Uh, mm-hmm. There's still great, great bulls out there killed every year, but you definitely got to get in the back country and, and get away from the roads and the people to to kind of isolate those bulls and, and work on them.
2: Yeah, I, I've seen a couple guys post um, some pictures, and now mm-hmm. that you say that, the, the spread did look, um, I guess, less than average. The couple couple of them i seen were not, not, I would say they were probably in the low to mid forties if that.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of bulls killed that are in the thirties, mid thirties. Um, that's your, that's going to be your young bulls. And, and typically like if a guy's calling those bulls come in, I mean, they just come charging in They're wild, you know, they're trying to get there before the big boy, you know, here's that cow. So they're, they're trying to swoop in there and steal her and, um, you know, so a lot of those bulls get killed, but they're really just sort of the satellite bulls. You know, a lot of the times when you're working a big bull, you'll have three or four of those small 30, mid thirties, you know, those bulls will be hanging around the fringes. Um, But yeah, they're, they're the first ones to usually die because they're pretty careless. And, uh, and just come charging into the cow calling.
2: And the guys can't take the temptation. They see the bull and that's, they
1: got to have it. You know, and, and I'll tell you what's funny is, uh, every year I see it, um, guys get panicky. Like the first three, four days are hot and moose Mm -hmm. do not move when it's hot. Mm -hmm. Like you got the first half an hour, last half an hour, uh, middle of the day, you might as well just go scout new country and, and look for, you know, Rut activity and rut pits, and uh, and then um, basically almost every year, you know, there'll be one day that you get a frost, and when you have that frost, it's magical. I mean, the, the bulls are just—you'll have five or six of them talking to you, and but guys tend to get panicky, and by Wednesday they're going home. They, they give up. They haven't seen a bull. They haven't seen a moose, and they they just leave Wednesday night. I'm going home, and thursday friday saturday it's like a ghost town in most of the zones
2: oh wow yeah well hopefully it'll work out and i can draw a draw a tag and (laughs) and then get up there and and get me one i think you know we had talked about um actually you know taking a trip i think our summer trip this year is going to be up to maine
1: nice
2: um it's arc. is it
1: arcadia Acadia? Oh, Acadia. Yeah, yeah, Acadia National Park. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty picturesque place. Um, tourists are there, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be busy, but uh, I just had some friends, Todd Boswell from uh, Michigan that just came back, him and his wife Jackie. Uh, they kind of hit the tail end of the leaf peeping season, and um, they were just blown away. You know, if you want to get out and hike, uh, tremendous places. I mean, you can get up on Cadillac, watch the sunrise, uh, you know, the bubbles in Jordan Pond and um, the you know the beehive trail. I mean there's there's a pile of great spots. Really pretty.
2: Well, I think we're gonna hit that. So I may have to pick your brain later on about it. Absolutely. So how I I just wanted to talk to you about your season and like I said I've kept up with your post and you know I you know I keep up and watch and you know, the hound world is so small. Um, <laughs> I know that you met one of my friends up there. Um, BB, yeah. BB said he was up and y'all had got together for some reason or another. And
1: Yeah, I needed some uh, cephalexin for a dog. And mm. I, in my haste to pack up and head north for the opening week, I'd left my big bottle. And, uh, of course, the first bear I ended up getting on kind of. Put a few holes in everybody, so uh, I knew he was down the road. I had a mutual friend and uh-huh. uh, was able. He was only a you know half an hour, forty five minutes south of me there, so I ran down, and grabbed some pills that saved me a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it, you know, networking is such a you know it's such a valuable resource for us.
1: Oh, it's you know it's huge. Uh, like you know later that week, I I've, I've had to do a lot of vet care on my dogs, and I'm pretty good at suturing. And he got, he got kind of wrecked on a bad one. And, uh, he brought two or three dogs up and I sewed them up later in the week for him. So, you know, it, it does, it, it's great if you can work with a friend and, uh, help each other out.
2: Yeah. And I, I guess, so is y'all season still in?
1: Uh, Maine is done. Uh, done. basically the Friday before the deer season opens on the Saturday, that's, that's when Maine season is done. Mm-hmm. and. I typically hunt some over in New Hampshire. Um, they've changed their laws a little, but I can still, I can go over and participate. I can't bring my dogs over anymore, but uh, they end uh, Tuesdays, So mm-hmm. I've been over there a few times just to hang out and goof around. And uh, yeah, we're pretty well winding down. Uh, the bear season's pretty well tied over here.
2: Yeah, so I guess it was about mid mid-October yeah I was down I was actually down at BB's hunting and another buddy my buddy from New York um Bob he called me him and uh Frank Marcello was hunting and I'm not sure that, oh sure yeah so you know Frank yeah I
1: know Frank
2: yeah um so him and Frank were hunting and Bob is actually on my way home from BB's and he called and he goes, Hey, he's like, I got a guy that lives down, you know, around you up here. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And he goes, you know, Ray. And I'm like, yeah, Ray shanks. And he's like, yeah. He said, we were up here having a conversation and he was hunting with the same group or outfitter or however that works. And yep. he said, uh, he asked if I knew you and I was like, well, yeah, I know him. I was like, you know, we're pretty good friends. And I'm thinking that's when it comes, you know, kind of come to me. I was like, you know, You know, on the East Coast, I'm sure it's the same on the West Coast. You know, it is a small world. Um, It is
1: really small. We get smaller all the time.
2: Well, yeah, it's definitely not growing by no means, is it? No,
1: no, sadly.
2: No. Um, But anyway, it just kind of, it kind of hit me out when I was, you know, I was like, man, it's like, don't matter where you go or who you're with. Somebody knows somebody that knows somebody or you're going (laughs) to run into somebody, so... that that you're, you know, you're going to need, like you, you know, like you and BB kind of worked that out. You know, you're going to run into people that, you know, may need some help or something from and can return the favor. And.
1: Oh, exactly.
2: Um, it's a, it's a good community,
1: um, for the most part. Great, Mm -hmm. great people. And, um, you know, I mean, it really, you know, that, that vet care I did on his dogs, I have a pretty extensive, um, kit that I carry med kit in my truck and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, lidocaine and everything else, sutures, and, you know, I have all that stuff right in my truck. And um, I probably, you know, he would have had to spend, if he went to an emergency vet, I bet you'd have been in the $2,000 range for those dogs by the time you were done.
2: Oh, yeah. We, we've discussed that numerous times on here that, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. Yeah. You get one or two dogs hurt and spend, you know, 1500 $2,000, man, it wipes you out.
1: It sure
2: does. Yeah. yeah. No Be- doubt. <clears throat> but before we get talking about dogs, one of your posts, you posted, you um, you had uh, made a post about, and I think, do you have a female named Slew? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I do. So you had talked about her, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, but this is what really hit me with your post. Um, you talked about the walk into the tree or the bay up. I don't remember which yep. it was. And it kind of hit me, you know you were talking about the scenery and you know how beautiful it was, and yep. um you know, just taking that in and Mark, when I was younger and i I hunted with some old timers and basically at daylight, you left the truck and yep. you busted hump till you got to where you were going, and it was pretty much and i mean you you wheeled it all day long, like there right. was no you know, taking your time and kind of enjoying your surroundings and taking stuff in. And a couple of the guys that I that I hunt with knew, you know, hunted with me back then or, or was around me or hunted enough with me. Sure in on. the last couple of years, they said, you know, Heath, you, you really slowed down. And I'm like, well, part of that's my age. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. I, I'm not in yep. as big a hurry as I used to be. And I, I enjoy that you know, taking those slow walks and yep. taking nature in and, you know, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but the calmness and the, um, just how it makes you feel.
1: Oh, it's a, you know, it's a great thing. And and I think some of that comes, you know, with age, like you, when you're young and I was the same way, I mean, just going daylight till dark and, you didn't take in a lot of the small things sometimes, and you know that particular day the situation was it was our second hunter for the week. Um, we tagged the first one out pretty good. Had a good little hunt for him, and and we'd had a couple of days of rain and and just bad luck, and um, you know we had a nice day and and we had a good bear race and uh, got one treed, and and it was a spot along Buffalo Stream that is um, it's. Pretty hard to access some of that country, like it's it's a lot of water that's what we call down east Maine, and you know we affectionately call it the jungle <laughs> um it's thick it's it's rough country, a lot of water i mean you're you're wading or swimming about everywhere you go, and uh you know it, it we got that bear treat and and we got in there, and of course, we were all business kind of getting in there, but once we shot that bear. I'll tell you what, I just sat there looking around and the pressure was off. You know, we, we tagged out our clients for the week. That was, uh, I think it was a Friday and I was like, this has got to be one of the prettiest places, you know, that country. It's different. Uh, you know, you don't have the views from the mountains and the beautiful spots, but there's a, there's a beauty to the swamps and the, and the remoteness to it and the bogs and, um, I just sat there looking around and I thought to myself, if a man had a cabin sitting right on this hump, it was just this beautiful piece of, you know, high ground. And the tree that bear was in, everybody jokes that there's no trees big enough for the bears to tree. And that's why there's so many on the ground here. Well, this thing was about six feet through. It was giant. I mean, probably 150 year old white pine and, uh, pine needles were 10 inches deep, you know, and the, just a beautiful sunny afternoon it was cool and we'd walked across this open bog and uh luckily those bogs if you keep moving you can you can kind of stay dry if you stand in one place you start to sink and uh you know you you don't know how deep you're gonna go so you you know we we just kind of hustled across there but it was beautiful four or five hundred yards wide open stretch. And and of course you can see out in those bogs and there was moose rut pits out there. there were bulls raking and it was just a cool spot. You know, the water was glistening in the sun and the little breeze blowing. And honestly, like after we killed that bear and the pressure was off, I sat down at the base of that tree. The pine needles were as soft as a feather down feather comforter. And, you know, I sat there for probably 15 or 20 minutes and just took it in
2: yeah i don't and is that where you took the picture at
1: yes yeah right there right right where the bear fell pretty much
2: well i'm using that picture as your cover for this podcast because it was absolutely stunning
1: yeah yeah it was it just you know it, it really every place has a unique beauty to it and and it's hard to explain what down east Maine is like with those bogs but uh that was as pretty a place as I've been, even in the mountains and stuff. It, it was a unique spot and, um, just a bluebird afternoon, you know, we'd had three, four days of rain and, and we were just, you know, we'd been slogging through swamps and water and wet. And then we come out to that beautiful spot and, uh, it was pretty uplifting, you know, uh, pressure was off and we just kind of soaked it in. It was, you know, it was like 10 or 11 o'clock. We had the bear killed. So we had all day to get it out. And, um, we packed it out and quartered it up right there on the banks of the river, and we all headed out.
2: Well, and that's one of those that's one of those places that that hunter will never forget.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's uh, it it was a neat spot. I mean, even me, I won't forget it. I mean, it's just a just a beautiful spot, you know. And how long had it been since a man had stood there? I mm-hmm. I couldn't even tell you.
2: Well, that's something I try to do more now that I'm a little bit older. Is take those things in and not get in as big as rush and even when my dogs are treed I mean I used to run high tail it I mean I was almost sprinting to the tree yeah oh yeah and I don't do that as much as I I used to I I still like you said I kind of do business to get in there but I'm not afraid to stop and, and 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 take a breath either
1: yeah, you, you know, you have to. <laughs> As you get older and you get a little fatter and you get a little slower, and,
3: uh,
1: <laughs> you know, you, you can't charge like you used to. But, you know, the other thing is, too, is, um, you know, I've guided for a lot of different guys here in Maine and, and I've done the trophy hunts and the, it's a whole other ball game when you got guys paying high dollar hunts and big, you know, one, three, mm-hmm. four hundred pounders and they're all on the ground. Where I'm hunting right now, Uh, with my friend Brandon Sals. He owns a little guide service, Lord Mountain Guide Service. And um, we try to kind of key in on the guy that just wants a good, honest bear hunt. He wants to get away for the week. He wants to spend it, you know, just shoot a nice, mature bear. But it doesn't have to be. Sometimes we kill 500-pounders. Sometimes they're Mm 150-pounders. But it's more about the hunt. And and the journey to get there than it is the kill, and I like that. It's a lot more laid back. You know, we we tend to if we haven't got anything going by noon, we tend to wrap it up, and and we might go around do some fishing or take them for a little sightseeing over to some waterfalls and stuff, and go look at just a few overlooks over the bogs that are really neat out there. So it's a little more fun to me. Um, as I get older, I find myself enjoying those hunts a lot more.
2: Well, it's about, you just said, it's about the journey. It's about the process. It's about, you know, taking that stuff in and and living life to your fullest. I mean, that's, like I said, that post kind of caught me and I'm like, you know, Mark's hit the nail on the head here. Like we got to slow down. We've got to start enjoying our environment and enjoying what we see. And, you know, you posted, I think it was that same post, you said that, you know, the, these dogs and these bears take us into to places that most people never see. You'll, you'd never go
1: there. Nope. And w- when you get there, all of a sudden it occurs to you, this is magnificent, you mm-hmm. know? And the fact that probably very few people, they avoid those areas because they're so hard and so remote to get into that there's a uniqueness, you know, To the fact that you're one of the few people that's probably ever stood there and and that's in this world right now that's a rare thing to be able to stand in a place where very few people have ever stood so I try to take that in when I end up in those and the dogs you know they're masters the dogs and bears I should say they're masters at taking you to those places
2: yeah and that was that was one of the things that intrigued me about the hounds and hunting with hounds and You know, that that was one of the things, and I can't, you know, like you said, go to places that you know most people never walk. No people, nobody goes in these thickets that we do, and it opens up into, like you said, this, you know, God's living room
1: yeah i mean that's that's what it
2: opens up to but
1: when we left the truck i mean it was the typical put your head down and just start bowling Mm -hmm. and we didn't go about 70 80 yards and all of a sudden we got on the and i I said well usually a lot of the rivers you can walk right on the banks of the river as long as the beavers haven't dammed it up so Mm -hmm. i said we'll cut right to the river and and all of a sudden it opened up into that just a magnificent bog and you know, there's so many little things that you don't even notice until you slow down the pitcher plants. You know, all these bog plants, it's such a hard living out there that they actually, they're carnivorous. You know, they're, they're catching insects, the sundews, the, there's these little things, you're walking over the top of them, stepping on them, and, and all of a sudden you stop and you, you look down in a pitcher plant and you pour it out and there's all sorts of flies and bugs in there. I mean, it's just a unique environment and it's really worth slowing down to enjoy it a little bit yeah
2: all right before i ask you about the dogs i know you're an avid reader what book you're yeah. reading right
1: now oh uh, let's see um i've got a stack of about six i just finished one on genetics that that was mm. a doozy <laughs> that was that was a that was a deep a deep trail down a hard path but uh I did, I did gain some good information off of it. Um, got some great stuff. Uh, I'm actually um, kind of looking for the next one right now because I just wrapped that up. And I, I've got a few that I'm kind of looking at, but I haven't settled in on one yet.
2: Yeah. So one of the books that I'm, I'm getting ready to start, um, and it's an older book, but I heard it on another podcast. And I'm like, I'm going to give this a try. It's called Don't Shoot the Dog. Um, Karen Pryor is the, the author and, you know, she goes through like, there's 22 different, um, stages of training and, um, stuff that you can do to help, help the dog and help communicate better with the dog. It is a lot of positive reinforcement, which, you know, we're about, um, but anyway, that's, that's kind of what I'm, you know, reading right now. And I know, you know, like I said, it's kind of old. She, she introduces the clicker, which you know, just been... just because it's old doesn't mean it doesn't have valuable information. <laughs> if in I it. if I can take one thing away from it, it'll make me better.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah. Listen, I will read anything. Um, the King Ranch Quarter Horses mm-hmm. was that was a magnificent book. Um, Snakefoot: The Making of a uh, Champion. That you, was a bird dog. book. You put me uh, on it.
2: I've got it laying here on my coffee yeah, table. Yeah.
1: Awesome, awesome read, and and just different people's approaches to training and, uh, picking puppies and, and whether it's, you know, the, the King ran quarter horses was really fascinating to me on the the way they maintain their line and how successful they were in the outside blood that they brought in. And, uh, really some great takeaways from that book.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 got, I actually got that book after you and I had talked about it. And that's one that I have not opened up yet. I had bought a book on um, breeding and it was, oh Lord, this book was a 1927 book. And I actually sent you a picture because I found it at the, um, an old, old bookstore in Beaufort, South Carolina. And it was a hard read. Um, it was hard. Uh, once, you know, the, the chapters (laughs) or the, the chapters that you were interested in and stuff, um, was easy. And then. When it started right. breaking down some of the <laughs> the scientific stuff of it, I, I struggled. Ooh, yeah, that
1: was the one I just finished. <laughs> I mean, I I had to, I honestly like to get through it. I actually had to kind of glean through the information, and and when it really got into the deep math of it, uh, mm. I just avoided it because <laughs> it honestly it was over my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, well, but I did get some some very valuable pieces out of that that really explained some things to me and uh, it was worth it um i i can't say i enjoyed that book but it was uh it was a great book to read
2: well it's an information seeking task that's what I, that's what i tell myself sometimes <laughs> yeah looking absolutely looking to draw information all right well we probably bored the listeners about our our regular stuff, but so tell me at the, the store, you, you talked about slew in that, that post that I, and I, like I said, I had read numerous posts that you had put up. Um, sure. and some of them are lengthy. I mean, good, like very good stories. And like, there's always a, an aha moment. Um, I yep. think with your stories, Mark, and that, you know, that's what, like I said, that's what intrigues me and interests me. And I want to, you know, I want to see how you're doing. And, um, so you know just tell me about your dogs a little bit and you know i definitely want to hear the story about slew because she was doing it by herself that day
1: oh yeah slew is um slew is she's a she's a great dog um came out of a cross that i had made years back she's about six years old now there was only three that i raised out of it um unfortunately lost the others uh kind of bad timing in the winter with the litter and and some cold and hot temperatures. And anyways, um, out of the three that made it, uh, there was slew, there was good night. And then there was a dog, Frankie, uh, good night, unfortunately was killed last year in Maine. Um, he just got on a rough bear and he got busted up internally and we really didn't realize that he was messed up that bad. Uh, A friend of mine, Rob had him, down in north carolina and uh he was up here guiding for like five weeks and it was the last bear <laughs> and the, he was on his way home when he realized he was crashing and uh he didn't make it unfortunately but um just an excellent trail dog rob had told me that 24 hour old tracks were were pretty easy for him um Slough is slew and frankie the other two are very similar uh frankie is a um, their their flaw and and i'll just be honest about it i have some tight mouth stuff in my dogs that <laughs> i'm working around uh cold trailing wise now when they're up with a bear they're barking but mm-hmm. uh cold trailing um i have to be very careful in my crosses to not get silent trailers and uh this was one of the first crosses I had made before I realized I had that issue and they kinda of opened my eyes to it. But mm-hmm. Slew is a silent trailer and Frankie is a silent trailer. Um but Frankie's about it, he's really too gritty, too much nerve. Uh been busted to pieces, but his through all of that is just maintained amazing speed and, and um great endurance, long distance twenty mile races catching the bear all by themselves lose the same way um just doesn't matter how bad it gets she's there till uh till a bitter and real nice nice little dog
2: yeah you you she had the bear caught, and you said that she had come back within 450 yards and you put the reinforcements with her and um i guess that's when they took it into that that
1: down into the bog. yeah down, that you said yep. and got it treed Yeah, Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was kind of a one of slew Strengths is, is her trailing, but because she'll trail silent, um, you know, and, and I actually had a a young male there that I'll get into a little bit later. He was with her and those Mm -hmm. two were trailing, but they were, it was kind of interesting to me. They were trailing parallel, but on a similar course they would crisscross, they would intersect almost like you see sometimes with a sow and a yearling mm-hmm. or a pair of yearlings. But, but I knew this bear that they were after from, we had it on camera and it was a nice boar, a couple hundred pounds, just a single boar. And uh, I couldn't quite figure out, sometimes there's other bears that travel these same areas. So so they were trailing together Well, they finally came together and slew was out ahead of him. And uh, of course she was silent. So he didn't cast to her right away when she was finally barking um you know you pretty much when she's barking you load your gun and you go you go to kill a bear Mm -hmm. and she was barking 80 barks a minute and i said oh boy she's got him and and she took him down to buffalo stream and i was hoping he wouldn't cross because it's uh takes about 45 minutes to drive around and by the time you drive around they're usually gone and it leads down into this pond, uh, brandy pond, which is a massive bog around one side of it. And it's really inaccessible. Um, with clients, it's really hard to kill the bears once they get in there. So I was hoping to catch this bear, you know, he was heading that way. And, um, luckily <clears throat> Slough brought him up onto, uh, you know, this is a little history. I love history too. And mm. this area is kind of neat. It's known as, um, riceville was a ghost town in maine it's it's on the kind of the the weird and abnormal stories about maine you can find it and uh there was this baker family this is out in the middle of nowhere there was this hill and it's called baker hill it was a homestead on it and uh there was a tannery on the banks of buffalo stream and back in the early 1900s one day somebody came the tannery it burned and there was about 150 people living there and somebody came one day and everybody was gone and there's stories about corpses laying around you know and but there's still remnants of that town there but it's out in the middle of nowhere and this is where Slough was basically baying this bear and she brought it up onto baker hill and there's one old road that goes up to where the old apple trees and the clearings were and uh I got up there and the wind was blowing and unfortunately I had two females, uh, or three or four dogs loose with me just walking towards her. And unfortunately the, <clears throat> excuse me, the wind changed and, and she went back down to the river and it was about a half an hour later, she started to come back up and uh, I had actually started walking back to the truck. And when I saw her come back, I said, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get these dogs to her because I'm a firm believer. And if you can get a bear packed properly, you're going to put the brakes on them. And I didn't want this bear to get out of this area because it was a pretty good area where he was at. And, uh, so I just went on foot and, and my dogs, they have a pretty good handle on them. Um, so I just turned, you know, I can't, I can't even remember right now. I know there was Mando and, uh, Pip and, uh, Lily, uh, Maple. I had a whole slew of them there anyways and i headed down in they finally heard her and they got down in there and uh you know slew was baying it, and it made several circles so it was one of those sort of painful things watching the gps like <laughs> the dogs hit an older circle and they started around and instead of going right to slew they had to make several circles well they finally all got in there and then it was on and um he made one break for it and he headed right for buffalo and uh they pretty much they all put the put the brakes on him right on the banks he was treated about 20 yards off of buffalo stream uh in that big old white pine so yeah it was a it was a good hunt it was a fun hunt um just worked out well
2: yeah i mean like i said just reading your story i, I knew that that dog had done a really good job so i want to go back to the tight mouth um yeah i don't know if you've listened to any podcast i put out but i'm i'm working with the same issue Um, I've got two dog, two of my best dogs. Um, they, they will, they will drift off and they'll be gone. And the next thing you know, they, like I said, they, my male dog will open maybe a time or two. Right. Um, and he will open right before he jumps. My little female, she don't open until she's jumped. Yeah. And then it's just like you said with slew. I mean, it's just cow, 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 cow. I mean, (laughs) you know, when she's opening like that, you know, she's right with it. There's no question. Oh yeah. 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 So how, what are you doing? You said that you had to be careful. So what are you doing to combat that? What is your process or what is your
1: goal? Yeah. Amongst my dogs, like I've, I've kind of figured out, you know, where it's coming from in my bloodlines. Um, and I, I never breed silent to silent. If I breed silent to open, And I'm talking just cold trailing because they'll all bark when they're up with the bear, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I'm just talking on cold trailing. if I breed silent to open, I tend to get about 50, 50. So then selection becomes a major of it's very important with these dogs. Um, you got to keep your litter close. You got to keep access to it. So if you don't end up with the open one, your buddy has the open one and you can still breed to it. Mm -hmm. And, and if I breed, Open to open, I end up with open. So I just have to be very honest with myself. Now, they're all bear dogs. There's no no doubts in my mind about it. Um, but I'm just I'm very mindful. And I'm also looking for, this has been a ongoing for two or three years. I'm looking for an elk cross that's not going to hurt me not a total outcross, something that has some similar blood that's somewhere that I can pick up the strong mouth mm-hmm. uh, and then breed that back into my dogs. So I'm always trying puppies from friends and, and trying to see. I like to to take a pup right from, you know, eight weeks old on because, you know, to just take somebody's word, everybody gauges their dogs different, and it's yes. it's such a hard thing to – put into terms, I believe my friend and, and I believe him a hundred percent, you know, they're, they're honest about their dogs, but he may allow something I don't, or I might allow something he doesn't. Um, So, so I like to start right from pups. So I often, every year I'll pick a pup up from somebody with the thoughts that this is the possible outcross down the road that I could then breed back into my dogs, but to try to fix that mouth.
2: Yeah. So, all right. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, clear, I'm understand what you're saying. So if you're, you're taking an open to, um, a tight mouth and you're getting a 50%, so you're getting, you're getting more mouth, but you're not where you want to be. Is that correct? Right. Okay. Yes, exactly. But now yep. if you take that dog, that's, that's 50, 50. Yep. And you breed
1: it to an open, are you getting I'm, what you want? I'm getting more consistent, but It still comes down to selection because, say, a litter of eight, Mm -hmm. there might be three of them that are exactly what you want. There might be three of them that are usable, more open than the parents were, and then there's going to be a couple of them that are not what you want at all. Um, So – it's still genetically, it's still, it's such a dominant trait. It still throws back um, even down the road, two or three crosses. If you're not careful, all of a sudden you can pop into a bunch of silent trailing dogs again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm forever mindful of it, uh, but I I improve. I have definitely improved. The open trailing in the dogs, but it's still not. Doesn't happen overnight, you know. It's a it's a journey. It takes time. It's a process. You got to (laughs) keep, and you got to be ever vigilant. If you drop the ball just one time, you just set yourself back six years. Mm. Mm. You know, so yeah, one one selection is everything with breeding. I mean, one wrong pick on a cross. And if you go with that, and all of a sudden you might be two years down the road and say, I screwed up, I really, I blew this. Yeah, and it um, takes two years to figure it out, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's not, doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, you think, man, I got it here. And and then all of a sudden, a couple of years into it, the dog starts tightening up on his mouth or something changes and you're like, ah, oh, good golly, I thought I had it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: So when you go to the out, outcro- or your, you you want to outcross, but you want it, didn't it you want a family some type in the general in the five seven six seven generation
1: yeah something something like that if i can now there's a couple of different bloodlines that i'm i'm very interested in i i'm ever mindful of speed um mm-hmm. i like speed speed catches bears yep i will say the dogs that i have now um They're a little weaker on speed than what I started with probably 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever you'd say. But uh, I have gained on the stick and the
0: nerve. Hey, don't hit that fast forward button, folks. I've got something I want to talk to you about real quick. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I know you're tempted to go ahead and fast forward here, but this is a very special week and I want you to hear me out. This is the week of Veterans Day. Our United States military members have sacrificed life and limb and personal freedom to move about, to serve, to preserve our freedoms. And there are several thousand of veterans out there who are looking for opportunities to hunt and fish and get plugged into the outdoors, to get them off the couch, to re-engage in society, and hunting is a great way to do that. There are also thousands of kids out there who are Gold Star kids who've lost a mom or dad. Both of these groups, veterans and Gold Star family members, are deeply impacted when they can get their minds off of their own grief and sorrow and heal mentally and emotionally. And I've seen it personally when we engage with Freedom Hunters and get these veterans and Gold Star family kids back out in the outdoors and hunting. It's not a big deal. It really isn't. It's it's as simple as you going to HoundsmanXP.com and going to the Freedom Hunters link on our website and becoming a volunteer. You don't have to be an outfitter, professional hunter, or you don't even have to put them up in your home. You just need to make yourself available and say, come and hunt with me. Come and watch my hounds work. Let me plug you into a part of hunting that you've probably never seen before. It could be a local veteran that Freedom Hunters will set you up with, where you can meet them at the corner store somewhere. They're going to stay in a hotel, or maybe they're going to drive home that night. And uh, you're just going to take them hunting. That's all there is to it. So please join Houndsman XP in honoring America's heroes. You can make a commitment to freedom today by going to houndsmanxp.com and finding the freedom hunters link and going to freedomhunters.org fill out that application to get involved if you have any personal questions or if you want my personal experience with uh, freedom hunters or taking veterans on these adventures then just drop me a line direct message messenger or through my email at chris dot houndsman xp at com. i promise you that you will walk away from the experience rewarded and feeling very good about introducing another person to this lifestyle that we all love so much let freedom ring
2: so you're trying to keep
0: you're trying to get your speed back
2: that you had years ago
1: Yeah. So I don't have bad speed and every now and then I've got great speed in certain crosses, but, um, what I, what I really need for the guiding are the is the toughness in those dogs and the nerve and the stick. I don't want dogs getting hurt because that doesn't help your cause, but Mm -hmm. it's a fine line because if you don't have enough and you can't get that bear stopped, you're never going to get a client in to kill it. And when these guys are paying, three thousand dollars or four thousand dollars for a bear hunt, you know, you have to be able to produce. And sometimes those like right now in my pack, and this this has been occurring I've been very aware of this over the last two years. I have kind of two speeds of dogs. I have some that are a little slower, some that are a little faster. And <laughs> you know if you can keep your dogs all we can only run six dogs here Mm -hmm. if you can keep six dogs within 10 feet of each other when they jump a bear even a even a big bad boar they're not going to get anywhere you're going to put the brakes on them and if you take away their thought process on a bait up bear then you can kill that bear but if that bear has got one dog on him He's thinking about where he wants to go. He's thinking about how to avoid the roads. He's thinking about how to use the water to slow the dog down, slow the hunters down. But when there are six of them and he wants to go left and there's a dog in front of him and he turns to go right and there's a dog in front of him and he tries to go straight ahead, there's two dogs in front of him you're taking his thought process away. So mm-hmm. with guiding and we get a lot of, a lot of our bigger bears stay on the ground. And even frankly, a lot of the one fifties stay on the ground. Um, it's just, the woods are so thick in that boggy country down there, down East um, they'll just, they'll stay for hours at it. So that nervier dog is worth its weight in gold, um, you know, to get them treated. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So if you, back to your outcross, if you, are you going to take your 50 50 and breed to an outcross or are you going to take your, your, your tight mouth and breed to an outcross?
1: Well, so that's, um, I'm, I'm soul searching right now because mm-hmm. Slew is, is probably my top female <clears throat> right now. Right. Six years old. So if I'm going to make some more puppies out of her, I need to get pretty busy with it right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually, I have access to some semen that's on ice that, um, that I've actually gotten some of these dogs. It was used to produce uh, stud dog, um, with good results It added mouth and it was pretty strong. The open mouth. And so I'm thinking about taking that next year to her, um, I think I would be more successful if I took my 50, 50 dogs, but right now the best female I got is slew. And, uh, I'd really like to get some more out of her. So, right, uh, I'm, I'm a little torn on it and I am, I'm doing a little soul searching, trying to figure out what the, what the best outcome will be.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there because I think we all run into that dilemma. Like, you know what he? You, you know I, I. So my tight mouth, <clears throat> my tight mouth female. It, I mean, she's one of my best dogs. Um, she's kind of the unsung hero. She doesn't get enough credit, um, yeah. but she's she's always there, or you can always depend on her. Um, and I'm going to breed her. I'm doing the same thing. I'm 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 doing with an outcross, but I'm breeding her back into the line of dogs that I used to hunt, and the dog is very open mouthed he's still got his good speed. Um, he's got plenty of grit. He's not crazy, but you're not going to run him off. <clears throat> so he's got, I mean, his size, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a good leggy hound. So he's got a lot of the, the, the checks that I want. Um, yeah. and I'm hoping with his open mouth that that's going to add to her, which that's what I want to do because she, she's like your slow. I mean, she's, I mean, she's one of my best dogs. Um, right. Well, out of the out of the dogs that I have, she's one of the two best dogs because that's what I'm at. <laughs> I don't have a whole yep. bunch of other stuff. <laughs> Just be honest yep. about it. I got a bunch of young stuff coming, but they right. they show glimpses of, of of greatness, and then yep. they go back to being young dogs. And yep, it's like you and said. It takes go
1: ahead. Three years, four years to yes. get that young dog to where you are. All right now, I know what i have and i've got a whole crop of females coming that are just like that like i've seen some greatness and i've seen some you know head scratches
2: (laughs) yeah um and i mean like i said i've had some issues with my my 18 or 19 months old now and i mean That's kind of like you said. I'm scratching my head, thinking, okay, I'm confused. What's happening here? Um, (laughs) But and I want to go back to that tight. You know, you you talk about the the tight mount. I have seen, and I've seen a lot of posts on this too um, here recently on some of these coonhound forums and stuff like that. You know, sometimes a a younger dog won't even open on tracks until you know he figures things out and understands a process and that's a year and a year and a half
1: yeah yeah and you know it's i think it's very common for a lot of the young dogs to open start to open more coming into their second year mm-hmm. and their third year they become fairly open dogs so that's a process yes um, obviously a consideration when breeding i want the dog that right out of the gate the first few bears it runs it's open on, you know, Mm -hmm. when it's trailing. Um, That's what I'm looking for. But are you going to ignore these other six really good usable bear dogs just to try to weed through 20 of them to get that one? I, you know, I don't like wasting time. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of time. Time is valuable. Yeah. And time in these dogs is a lot of money, you know, to raise 10 of those dogs to find that one great one boy i've wasted lots of money yeah
3: Yeah. if
1: i can use that in between dog i know they're pretty consistent i know what to expect out of them i know they're going to open more uh you know that that's a tough call right there yeah well i think
2: it's something we all struggle with if like you said if you're honest with yourself Right. you have you everybody has those questions and searching for answers or searching for the right decision and you know sometimes we make big flops because i do it on a regular basis <laughs> or sometimes <laughs> we make you know we make uh you know a good a good a good decision or it could even be an accident and it works out so right. yeah right. i'm with you yeah i'm completely with you on that so, you know it's um so talk about
1: definitely
2: go ahead yeah, go ahead talk about the you said you were going to talk about the male here in a little bit tell us tell us about him and
1: what you got going on with him well um so right now i've got about a 50 50 split males and females um so i have an old male uh when i took the best dog that i had uh was my old brin dog she's dead and gone now um I had took Bryn and I bred to a Laurel Mountain dog of Roy Clark's. Um, It was a dog that uh, Ronnie Bateman and Ira Jones had a lot to do with as well. Um, When I speak of Laurel Mountain dogs, I think all three of those guys are kind of combined in the, in the current Laurel Mountain dogs. So I think some of Ira's dogs have a little bit of that tight mouth and then mine had some of that tight mouth. So I think, you know, it kind of combined, and that affected me a little. But um, a lot of Roy's older dogs were very open, um uh, uh, really very rare that he got a silent dog. So Roy took some of this semen that's about uh, 20, 25 years old, uh, and he bred to one of his females, basically was able to double up top and bottom with the dog that this semen was out of, Um, and he made this cross and produced Hank and Hank was bred to Maine, which was Reapers, uh, Reaper, Grim, Maine, and Bondo were the four pups that were produced when I bred Bryn to Harry Joe. Mm -hmm. So most all of my dogs, I have bred around those, those litter mates. And so what was interesting to me is when we bred Maine, to the Hank dog, it produced open coal trailers. So I know so when I when I talk about going back and using that semen on slew it's actually an educated guess because I have seen it overpower the silent side of these dogs. Um and and I think it's I think it's gonna work. So that's that's a definite way that I'm gonna go. But so my males I have Reaper and I have Grim. They're 10 and a half years old now. Um, Reaper got hurt really bad in training season. Uh, Phenomenal cold trailer. One of those dogs that you just dumped him out. And if there was a bear anywhere within 20 miles, you could come back a few hours later and he'd have it sitting there. Uh, Just super consistent dog. Well, he got hurt and he was unable to walk for about 14 days at the end of July and uh almost to the point i was ready to put him down um that sucker's tough man he come out of it but i never i haven't dared hunt him since it was something wrong with his his back leg uh to the point that he he couldn't even move i mean he just laid in a heap for 14 days so he's kind of out of the picture right now but that was actually good for a lot of these young males that i have i have uh a young male uh, off a reaper and a Laurel mountain female. I call him blue. Uh, then I have off of Maine, which is reaper's sister and the Hank dog. I have two different cross. Well, it's the same cross done twice, but they're a year different. So I have wicked and I have Mando. Um, and then I've got this one young dog. So this, this is an interesting one. So the dog that produced Slu, her mother, was Isabella. She was a shamrock dog. Joe Hudson had given me as a seven week old puppy, um, had a pair of litter mates, um, good dog. Uh, she's still alive. She's about 11 or 12 years old, 12, probably 12 years old now, still kicking, but at 10 years old, she had a very bizarre heat cycle. I could not get much for puppies out of her. Um, there was only four puppies ever out of her that made it to hunting age. So she came into heat at 10 years old. And I said, by golly, I'd be crazy if I didn't try it. You know, I wasn't hunting her cause she was just too old. Uh, she had a little bit of a heat stroke issue a year before. So mm-hmm. I, I just hunted her a little bit in cold weather, you know, just to get her out. But yep. Yep. for all intents purposes, she was pretty well retired. So I just, I was sitting there at about, uh, 12 days in or 13 days in. And I said, you know what? I'm going to walk her over to wicked who was off of, uh, Roy's Hank dog. That seaman goes back to the seaman. And he's an open coal trailer. Um, very nice dog, solid dog, uh, probably too nervy. Um, not the fastest dog, but a, but a rock solid bear dog. And, uh, Izzy was an open coal trailer. Um, so I said, I'm just, I'm going to put wicked on her one time. And if it happens, it happens. Well, by golly, it worked. And I got one puppy. And I've been around this gig long enough. Like those old females that are real nervy, you got to be careful with them. When they're 10 years, even eight, nine, 10 years old, and they have pups, like you don't want to fool around. They often have been damaged so much that. They have trouble with birth, um, contractions, muscles don't work right. It's mm-hmm. been a lot of injuries. So took her right to the vet, x Raider, had one big pup in there. It was breech. So I just said, you know what, let's just do a C-section. And, uh, and we did that and out popped this, uh, nice black male. And I let some kids that I know name them and they came up with Onyx. He's coal black, um, <laughs> He was, uh, he was, he reminded me of Izzy when she was young, just a live wire running on about 220, almost too much, (laughs) annoy Well, I'll tell you, I started hunting him and that sucker, he settled into it to the point that when he was young, uh, my friend Rob from North Carolina, he was working up here this summer. So he went out in training season and he hadn't seen onyx until when he left kill season this year um about five weeks of kill season he stopped at my house here and i was we were looking at the dogs and he said is that onyx and i said yeah i said he's different isn't he? he says that's not the same dog and i said i know he matured and so right off the get-go this dog i i dumped him right with the big dogs at a bait and i don't i didn't have a camera on it i don't know how old the track was but i know the dogs had to work pretty good to trail it and uh By golly, that sucker, he got behind him, but he trailed it. And they jumped it and come across the road, and he was way behind, but he come out on the track, barking every breath, big, beautiful voice. I mean, just just rings through the woods like I'm just blown away. You know, I'm thinking this this is something. And uh, I've been very careful not to get him on anything that was going to really hurt him. I don't think he has the nerve of wicked. Um, so I try to be careful with those pups that are, mm-hmm. I don't want to say soft, but but he's not mature enough wicked. yet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. So so I've been very, very careful with what I put him on. At times I left him in the truck when I would have loved to have kicked him into a, a bear race, but I'm glad I didn't because we fast forward to kill season. And we had killed a bear. I think it was like Wednesday or something. Um, The bears had gotten a little sparse. They weren't hitting real well. And uh, we run this uh, one particular bait. We just call it number two buoy road. And he, uh, I can't remember who brought it across the road. Um, Anyways, comes across the road. We dumped them all in and uh, they treed it. We harvested it. It was a 150, 60-pound boar. So the next day, we had about a 400-pounder on the same bait. And uh, I said, oh, by golly, I said, I just, I dumped four out. It was it was probably a 10-hour-old track, 12-hour-old track, something like that. And they trailed, and the race the day before, I didn't have it on my GPS anymore, but in, every time I tree a bear, I tend to save the waypoint on my GPS because mm-hmm. it is just interesting to me. I like to see my little flags on there. Yep. And I'll just say tree. And and I had a tree right. This bear circled about six times around where I'd treed this bear two years previously. So meanwhile, Brandon, this is just slow going. They're trailing and, and picking and and gosh, I walk, I, I like to when they're really grubbing hard. I'll walk right with them from the bait until they finally take it on their own it's an encouragement thing i don't really i don't sick them on it but when they see you there they hunt a little harder they work a little harder and when you see where they're getting sent and if you know your dogs you can tell when they've got bear scent just the way their body actions are Mm -hmm. and i'll go to that spot and i'll stand there and pretty quick you'll see 50 yards further well, as I'm doing that, I come up, there has been a moose fight right behind this bait. I mean, there's hair, it's all torn up size of a football field. And I'm like, Oh gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to end up with a moose race out of this thing for sure. You know? And so that kind of screwed up the dogs. Well, pretty quick. I look on my GPS and they're right where that bear had circled around, uh, the day before around that old tree sign on the GPS. And, uh, Brandon says to me, he says, guys, is kind of looking like the race the day before. And I was like, nah. And, you know, they were barking pretty good. And now they were barking a little less. But this young male is is just going. And I'm thinking, I don't know if he's got a moose or he's got what. But I said, I'm going to let him rip. I'm going to see what he's made of. And uh, it was like an hour later. I said, where the bear had come across the road, it was in a dip. So I went past it. And Brandon was sitting right there. He saw right where the bear came out. I said, show me where that bear come out. And I'll be son of a gun. About 30 minutes later, that dog stepped out on that track. And it was just a few minutes shy of 24 hours old. And we didn't let him go to the tree. It was another 600 yards to where the tree was. But I have no doubt he was trailing. He got messed up in that swamp. And he ended up on that track from the day before. And he was trailing that. And Mando was actually trailing behind him. He's an older dog. Uh, He's got another two years on him. But this young male was just putting on a clinic on trailing. I mean, I was, I've got to say, I've seen some pretty nice trail dogs, but I don't think I've ever had one that his first year of hunting was tracking something 24 hours old. Um,
2: that's definitely encouraging isn't it and it makes you oh want, my gosh
1: yes. yeah yeah so <laughs> he's been he's been fun for me and um he's an open trailer and he's got he has got the loudest voice of any dog i've had in a while i mean it just echoes through them swamps and uh i've been pretty pretty careful with him. i i kept him off some real bad ones kept them in the truck um i'm glad i did I'm hoping that he progresses like I think he's going to because he's only going to get better, and he had a heck of a first year. Uh, Probably killed several bears to him, um, but his trailing, I like a trail dog, and I like to be able to dump six dogs at a bait and have them trail together and jump together Mm because when they can jump within 10 yards of each other, that bear's caught. I don't care. (laughs) it's they're gonna uh, they're gonna put it on him um you know and actually typically a lot of years we don't tree a lot of those bears well this year some of those young dogs i've got are have gotten a little older they're getting a little more consistent and i'm able to dump those six dogs at a bait i'm talking like a six or eight hour old track you know you know it starts getting into 12 14 hours old then you're you're probably only going to have one or two dogs that can do that um, realistically, but reasonable age track for the conditions. Um, I'm dumping them six dogs and man, I'll tell you, we were tree and we treed this. I think it was the second week, uh second or third week. We killed this boar. We'd been after him for years. And I'm telling you, this dude was, he was a bad customer. I mean, he strung us out over them bogs, this goggish stream. And I mean, there's a, there's a spot out there that's five, 10 miles of bogs. And he'd get out in the middle of that, and just shake dogs until there was nothing left year after year. And we didn't know it was this bear. And, and um, I dumped them six dogs. And they come across this road and it's heading towards that dog stream. And I said, you know what? It's kind of the edge of our lease in there, about a quarter of a mile. But I, I said, Them six dogs came across the road. All six were in the road at the same moment, and I said, I think they're going to jump him within two or 300 yards. And sure enough, they did. And that sucker made it 250 yards and stopped, came up treed. We run in there, and it was a 500-pound, just a bruiser of a bear. He was blind in one eye, no ears left. Canines were nubs. Um, He'd actually been in a fight. There was another big boar on a bait there. He was so full of holes, it was ridiculous. I'm talking three or four-inch gashes that are three inches deep, um, been chewed up, ripped one of his upper canines. He would ripped right out of his skull uh, all within the last couple of weeks, you know, fighting these other boars. Just, I mean, he was scarred. He had this, uh, the way we could identify him, back on the middle of his body. He had about a 12-inch circle. It was bald, but it was black. And then the what would have been the open wound healed white. The skin was white, and it was kind of shaped like a lightning bolt. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was – you could see it in every picture, you know, and, and we treed that sucker. And I'll tell you what, when they jumped him, I mean, he only made it – it was – I can't even – I don't remember if it was 250 yards or 160 yards, but it was – it was quick. And I mean, it was a battle. I'm not going to lie to you. I took, I took some hits and three of those dogs were out for three weeks. But uh, when I can kill a bear like that, that's exciting to me. Uh, That's one of the coolest bears I've ever killed with my dogs. It wasn't the hardest hunt, but the plan worked, came together. And, you know, I, I like when them dogs can stick together. So I'm always trying to, pick dogs that i can dump like that and when i got a bunch of trail dogs that i know can work that track because you know a lot of the times they jump these bears out in these bogs and when they jump them out there you can't there's no roads there's nothing to help them for hours
2: yeah it is what it is right
1: (laughs) it is what it is and when them dog when those bears get comfortable with one or two dogs on them it doesn't seem like, even if you add a couple more dogs, it doesn't seem to phase them after that. They just keep doing their same thing out there swimming. And so, you know, when you can hit them with those six dogs, I just, I like what that does to a, to a bear race. And uh, we treat a bunch of them this year that I don't think we would have stopped like that. Uh, So that was, that was a fun year for me.
2: Good. And I want to go back to your Onyx dog and, you know, Mark, I don't think people, I, I mean, I, I, t- I talk about it a lot, that I'm very cautious with my younger dogs. Um, I gauge them as they grow and mature, and I think because of some of the law enforcement, the, the the dog training that I get with that, I can. I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of their maturity level because I'm working yep. dogs that I have to be able to send in really, really harsh environments and pick bad guys out. And I do that with my hounds too. I mean, I, I know that if I've got a young dog that can take it or not, and a lot of people yep. don't do what you and I, I mean, cause you're doing it is you yeah. want to turn that dog loose because it's going and it's got so much potential, but you know, and you're, you know that if you do that and he gets wrecked that yeah. you may, he it, may not next year. Yeah. It's done.
1: It's done. And, uh, <clears throat> and i've done it i mean listen i've learned the hard way <laughs> and uh I, I didn't learn because i'm smart i learned because i was stupid mm-hmm. and i mean i had a dog um you uh, this was going actually it would be wicked's brother so i had a pair of brothers that roy had given me uh, i named them wicked and muckle now they were 13 months old coming into the opener kill season and i'd been hunting muckle all season this dog was just tearing it up i want to say he was trailing like this onyx dog but this dog was coming on i mean just he was nice and uh, i kept him off of bait up bears all summer like an idiot uh here i am you know first week of kill season we got this big boar bait up out in the middle of one of them bogs two miles away just sitting in the river and he won't move and pouring rain and windy, and and I said, man, I said we got to get him moving. I said all I had was Wicked and Muckle in the truck, and I said I'm gonna I'm gonna cut Muckle in. Uh, it was he came a little closer? It was about 800 yards, and I cut him in. And man, he was like a stealth bomber. He hit that thing, and I'm telling you what, it was the dumbest thing I'd ever done in my life. He lasted 20 minutes, and he was killed stone dead. Mm. and he got every dog there wrecked i mean we killed a bear it was a 430 pound boar but it actually uh slew doesn't have any tail now because of that um uh, she got tore to pieces Bryn got tore up holly got tore up uh muckle was i mean he stopped one time he stopped the second time and muckle never left it he was stone dead right there Yeah. and uh so i learned the hard way <clears throat> um You know, there was a young dog I should have left in the truck. I should have said, nope, just let the girls do what they do. You know, everything was going good. I just got anxious, wanted to make something happen. And uh, so, you know what? Onyx has been riding in that truck every day (laughs) this year, and I have not cut him in. I've let him sit right in the truck, and uh, I've had to tone him a few times to keep him quiet when he could hear the bay ups, but... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um he ended up on a couple of bait up there was a real bad sow that we killed um we thought she was treed we got in there she wasn't she did tree right in front of us and he stayed in there he was working around the bay up at about uh i'm gonna say anywhere from 10 to 12 feet kind of circling it um a lot of dogs got kind of knocked nothing bad but they got some holes in them they did tree it. Uh, I actually caught him when I first got in and tied him to a bush so mm-hmm. that he couldn't get hurt yep. uh, when I realized it was on the ground. And, uh, you know, so I, I was lucky there. But, yeah, I some dogs mentally can handle it, you know, wicked and muckle. Uh, it didn't matter. Like, you wouldn't have ruined them other than just something stupid. I shouldn't have cut a young dog like that into a bait-up-sitting <clears> there that's where I screwed up, but mentally he was ready for it. I mean, he went in there like a dog that had date bears his whole life. Like he meant to kill that bear. Mm -hmm. And, and he was 13 months old when he died, this dog here, 13 months old, not even close to that maturity level. Right. Uh, so I've been very careful with him and, and I think he's going to be a great dog. He could really help me out in my breeding. Um, I don't want to ruin that dog, so I leave him in the truck.
2: Well, and I and I think this too. I mean, you tell me what your opinion is, but I think some of the you know when you get those dogs, it's you know six to twelve, maybe even a little bit older. You know, let's give them fourteen months that has not been on a mean bear. Yeah, they do one of two things. They do like your your Onyx <laughs> dog. They go in and they run the circle like they should. We yep. want them to do that, yeah. or that's they exactly think, right. or they think it's the coon out here that yep. you've showed them before and they can tackle it and take care of it. And that's what gets them in trouble.
1: And that's exactly <clears> what <throat> Muckle's story was. Um, you know, I showed him one coon in his life. That was quite a wild thing. So I never showed him another one, but he went in there thinking that he was going to rule the roost. He mm-hmm. felt like he was a King and uh, the bear was the king of the woods that day. So yeah, one or two things is gonna happen. And you know, you hope like Onyx for me, really. I'm pretty happy the way he's developing. Uh if you have a trail dog with that kind of ability, you don't want him getting busted up. You don't mm-hmm. want him getting hurt. You want to be able to hunt him every day. Yep. Um, you know, I have another female, for instance, comes to mind. So I have a pair of litter mates, uh Lily and maple maple is Lily trails, pretty nice. Um, maple won't trail a lick, but I'll tell you out of all the dogs I have in my yard, you know, who was on more bear kills than anybody was maple. You know why she will bay tight, but she will not ever. She's never had a toenail hole in her barks. Every breath, you know, knows how to cut that dog is valuable as can be. Cause it, it, yes. hunt every single bear, uh, and it doesn't get hurt that's the ideal setup you know yes
2: yeah that's that's what we, i you know. I, you and i that's what i would prefer mine just be like a a little bee running around in circles to stay away
1: <laughs> yep yep yeah. and you know um the bear that i killed the the last week of our hound season here in uh maine that was we just turned blind on uh on a bait. He was, uh, he was a doozy. I mean, we had no idea what we turned off. <laughs> we just turned on it and it was actually, so the same cross that wicked came out of, but it's the younger cross. Um, uh, so it's Mando and this one is Mako that I gave to my friend, Brandon. So mm-hmm. his, he's got that tight mouth deal trailing. And he even jumps Sometimes he can be pretty tight mouth. Um, so he got out on this bear and he did a bang-up job. I mean, I'm telling you, they were in a bog out there. It was a 1,000 yards of water. And they, he swam, and he fought this bear bay and this thing all by himself. The other dogs were coming, but they were way behind him. He just he pushed it and pushed it. Finally, they started catching up to him. And, uh, and then this bear would go back into the water, and he would shake half the dogs. And they're still coming, but they were behind him. And finally, I I finally got it packed. I mean, it took hours, and um, got some help to them, and and they got them slowed down, and then I got wicked in there, and um, they got them stopped, and and got in there and killed it. Uh, it was uh, probably a four hundred pound boar, uh, but it was it was pretty rough where he was at. It was all blowdowns and you couldn't. I had him at ten feet, and it took me a little while to even be able to see the bear, and uh, I actually missed my first shot charged the dogs right at me and he was about five feet off the end of the barrel when i when i shot the first shot and um that sucker he locked eyes with me and that was when he knew i was there and i was i thought i was gonna stone him right there and that sucker sucked his head back and spun he spun so fast that shot missed him and i run right after him because the dogs jumped and and that was when it got rough and i bet it wasn't two seconds for the second shot uh then i shot him right in the head but in that two seconds um you know two thousand dollar vet bill on wicked so that's the problem with uh too much grit but if you don't have enough you can't anchor bears like that like that either so yeah they got to be able to stick it don't they yeah, you you know it's it's such a fine line. Like I don't want them ever to get hurt. <laughs> like Maple is it's so ideal, and she was on that bear. She she was the only dog that never got a hole in her, and she was just as tight as every other dog there. banned. She just was smart enough not to try to grab a hold of the bear. Uh,
2: got the brains. So,
1: got the brains. Yep. You know, wicked not so much.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think we've all had them that way. Well, Mark, I really appreciate you sharing your, your season and talking dog. I mean, I always enjoy having conversation with you because I think that you and I are on the same path a lot of ways and kind of do some of a lot of the similar things. And I mean, I, I always, I, I enjoy the conversation.
1: Well, I've enjoyed it as well. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I type the stuff in the stories mostly for friends. Cause I'm, I'm terrible. I get bear hunting and for two months, my family doesn't know if I'm alive or not. So,
2: <laughs> that's you know, your,
1: when that's I get your, commute, service, that's your letter home, right. That's my letter home, you know, and, yeah. and I get a little service on a mountaintop and I'll type something. And, uh, and honestly, it's, it's, you talk about that journey, you know, someday, sadly, we're probably not going to be able to do this the way this yes. world's changing. And, uh, I hope my kids can look back at the stories I wrote and the stuff I wrote and say, wow, that was pretty wild, you know?
2: Yeah. And I hope that it, I hope we can do it as in our, we can finish our lifetime doing it's what my hope is.
1: I agree. You know, I, um, sadly for my son, I, I don't know, Mm -mm. you know, I don't know what's coming. Yeah.
2: My, yeah. My daughter, I mean, Maddie, she absolutely loves the dogs. She loves to be with them. And I, yeah, I just don't know that she'll, she's not probably going to endure the time frame that you and I have. That's for sure. Right. Right. Yeah. No. <clears throat> well, Mark, like I said, I appreciate you spending your time with us. And like I said, I always enjoy the conversation. And thanking you for helping us teach, train, and learn. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.